The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Anniversaries are better occasions for looking back than for looking forward. We celebrate them because we do look forward, because we look forward to something new in the next year of being married, or the next year of having been confirmed a million years ago, or the 492nd anniversary of the Augsburg Confession, which will be next year. 491 years ago yesterday, men stood in front of much more powerful men, told them that God said certain things and forbade men of any kind, of any station, high or low, to say otherwise. Anniversaries are good occasions for looking back and remembering what was it like all those years ago when we said for better, not for worse, or what did I think life was going to be like, or what challenges did I see the church would have when I was confirmed a million years ago, or however long it was in your own particular case. For me, it was a million years ago. So. As you'll hear tomorrow, I'll talk about that. But it's good to look back. It's good to remember. What was the church like, or what did we look like the day that we got married? The problem is you keep moving forward. You never end up moving back into what was known or familiar, what at least in time became understandable or manageable. You keep getting pushed forward in family life, in church life, in history. And as you get pushed forward, things become, in many ways, less familiar. The world might be less understandable to you now than it was two years ago, let alone 20. Or maybe you have a better grasp of how the church should handle the problems that you had and the challenges and the joys that you were given in 2005 than in 2025. The past remains comprehensible, simple. It was easy for Jesus to say that. We know that he's going to endure the shame of the cross and persevere and be vindicated on the third day. But Jesus continues talking to you even in 2021, speaking to you as Lutherans 491 years after the Augsburg Confession is delivered. He keeps talking in the future Tense. He says this to you, do not fear therefore. And whoever confesses me, him I will 
also confess. And whoever denies me, I will also deny, will confess, will deny future tense. And that's kind of scary. Because it says that there's something more to come. And the more is the thing that I'm worried about. Because now, after however many years of marriage, I understand what it meant up to this point when I said, however many years ago it was, for better and for worse, because I've tracked better and worse up to this second. I understand what it meant now when I was confirmed when I said, faithful unto death, face all, even death, rather than fall away from this confession in church, because I'm down to this present moment, and here I am sitting in the pew listening to the pastor, so I know what those challenges were and what the joys Christ would give me along the way, and I know what it means to be Lutheran down to this present moment, but what about next year? So it's strange that Jesus would say to us, that he would start out in the present tense saying to us, his disciples, fear not right now. Because the reason that I would have any fear whatsoever would be because there were things that I could not control. But Jesus knows that about us and about his church and about our marriages and about our young people who are learning the faith in confirmation class right now haven't said all that just yet. And so he knows that the thing that we fear most is not having control and he knows we don't have it. You heard him compare us to little birds, the kind that even people that are into birds sometimes can't identify when they see them. He calls them sparrows, but sometimes people that are into birds, I'm not saying I'm one of them, but I'm saying I know this term, they call them LBBs, little brown birds, because there's so many and they look so much like each other, it's hard to tell them apart from a certain distance. And Jesus says, you're just like them in the sense that you're not in control. Sometimes they fall to the earth. Sometimes they are in Jesus's time and place, sold in the marketplace. He says even those things that human beings can't identify precisely, even the humans that are into identifying birds, even they are marked out by your father, not theirs, yours, for his special knowledge, attention, and care, no matter where they go, no matter which telephone pole to tree to building top they're flitting to and from. He knows them, and he knows what they do, and he knows how it is with them. So fear not, because he is not called their father, but yours. Jesus is not their brother, but yours. Christ did not shed his blood and die on the cross for their sins, but yours. He did not mark them out from all eternity and call them each by name, saying they are mine at that font, but he marked you out and called you by name, calling you from before you knew him, but he had chosen you. Your father, your brother, the spirit given you in baptism, you belong to him, fear not. But you heard too, fear not the one who can instill fear in you. And 491 years ago, it was the government 
mostly, maybe even entirely. That's why on the front of your bulletin it says in a language that maybe is a little hard to understand, but you heard the pastor say it just before the gospel reading, I will speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. They weren't saying that the government was definitely going to be on their side. They weren't saying that the government was definitely going to be against them. They simply didn't know. They simply didn't have control. And in our time, we could add the government at various levels, and we could add the media at various levels, and we could add lots of things at various levels over which we, Christ's own people, do not have control. That's okay. That's okay. Our confidence was never in having control or certain tax benefits or a favorable environment in any kind of school or favorable coverage in the local or state or national press. That's okay. We're not afraid of those things or of those powers or of those voices. They don't determine reality, no matter how much we take in from screens of various sizes. And they never did. Because their word didn't make the little brown birds, and their word did not make you, and their word did not remake you in holy baptism, and their word did not gather the people into the church tonight or any other night, and their word does not establish what is right and wrong. God's word did and does. It's by God's word that the heavens and the earth were made. It's by God's word that Christ was sent into the world. It's God's word only that we confess. We're not allowed to come up here into the pulpit, me or him or anyone else that wears a stole, and say whatever we want. Only God's word can be preached. Only God's word must be believed. Not just my opinion or the screen's opinion or something you heard 25 years ago. God's word alone. The reason we are not afraid of other powers and other words and other forces and other voices and rumors and whatever else that people say or insinuate is because we are confident in God's word. Because we fear Only him. Because when things end, when all the anniversaries come to an end, there is no longer wedding anniversary and confirmation anniversary and anniversary of this or that document you may or may not have read. When everything comes to an end, when time itself is no more, we won't be answering to what we see on screens of various sizes or people's opinions or rumors or whatever people have cooked up or imagined or tried to enforce. We will have to answer to God. That's why the things that these men said 491 years ago, they said very clearly and they'd say it again in years after, we will not be ashamed simply because If we say what God says, then when we see him, when we meet him at last, when the for better, not for worses have all come to an end, when I finally learned the full meaning of what I said when I was 
13 or 14, faithful, facing all things, even death, rather than fall away from this confession and church. When I finally learned what all of that meant, what faithfulness looked like through all those years of marriage, through all those years of work and raising children and grandchildren, through all those years of church, all the meetings and the discussions and the conventions and the the preaching and the celebrations, all those years, you can think of them yourself now, flashing past, going faster the farther away you get from them. When I finally face him, not the screen or someone's opinion, but when I face him, I'm only going to fear him. I only have him to answer to. I only have him that I'll be speaking with. In fact, so much else will have passed away that when I look at the picture of this in Revelation, it says that the sun and the moon won't even be necessary because the Lamb himself will be our light. That's why I fear only him. Not only then on the last day, but now, on this day, and however many days he gives me. With my family, in my church, at work, at school. However many days he wants to give me, completely as a gift, the fact that the sun rises again. Totally his gift is an opportunity, even in that day, tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday and all the rest, To fear only him, knowing that in the end, only he and his word shall stand. Everything else is going to pass away, fall down like the little sparrows. But his word shall endure unto eternity. And at that time, all my care, as it is even now with my kids and in my church and for another 491 years, if he sees fit, and beyond that, if he should like, then it's all my care that I and mine, I and my house, know that word. Because finally, it's all that's really going to matter. It's all that the church actually has in common, no matter who's related to who or who has sat in what pew with whom for however many years. Finally, the thing that the church is about and the thing that the pastors are supposed to be saying and the thing that we're supposed to be speaking with one another at home is just his word, by which the heavens and the earth were made and on which the church alone stands. So that's why in the future, however much future he wants to have for you and for me, I will acknowledge him, even in front of the people who get to talk on the screen and even in front of the people who want to tell the church what to do. I will acknowledge him and his word as our authority for my life, for my church, for all time and for eternity. I will acknowledge him even before kings. And I shall not be put to shame. The world may try to shame me. Kings may try to shame me or you or this church or that pastor. They think they have a lot of power, but you know how much power they have? You probably don't even know the name of the guy before whom they spoke 491 years ago. And that's as it should be. 
because the power of man comes and goes. All flesh is like grass, and then a time comes when it too passes away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. To him is all glory in our families, in our churches, and forever. Amen.